and friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast, ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one, let's go. Yes, yes, yes. Welcome, welcome to Tim and Friends on this Tuesday, August 30th, 2022. And boy, did it feel like the Jays needed that one yesterday. Mm, We're going to get into all of that, of course. You'll notice, of course, I'm not Tim McAuliffe or Donovan Bennett. I'm Faisal Kamisa and holding it down with the one and only Jesse Rubinov. 90 minutes on sports and 120 minutes or two hours. On Sportsnet 360. We're going to talk about the Jays, of yeah, course. Caleb Joseph sense, will yeah. join us from the Rogers Center ahead of Game 2 versus the Cubs. We can't not talk Serena Williams, whose retirement is not starting no. just yet, Crazy thankfully. Night. We'll have yeah. John Wertheim join us uh, to speak about her. Matt Devlin, the homie, of course, to talk Canada basketball. RJ Barrett, the Raptors. And Kyle Brandt to talk all things NFL. Of course, we have all of you guys at home as well. At Tim and Friends on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Any th- other platforms? Oh, you name them all. I, I think Facebook that's good, too. right? Facebook, too. Facebook, yeah, sure. Active community on Facebook, I will really? say. Really? Yeah. Some oh. people wouldn't have thought that, but of all of the social media yeah. different, yeah. Facebook's They're the good. ones? Yeah, Facebook. Well, I'm, I'm not going to be checking Facebook, but <laughs> you and your uncles have fun. Chime in with your thoughts, of course, uh, your hate, of course, as well. Through the show, we'll do our best to get it up on air. I have a couple questions I would like to ask, um, and you can decide which one we go. And mm-hmm. One is about Brian Cranston, and the other is about water. Where do you okay. want to go? Uh, let's go uh, Brian Cranston first. Okay, so we all know Brian Cranston, uh, like most it. infamous role, Breaking Walter Bad. White, yeah. Breaking Bad. Yeah. yeah, I was recommended to watch a show from his past by one of the members of your show who works on the social team. His name will uh, remain out of the oh, question. Want a shout out. Uh, I don't didn't ask him, and he doesn't deserve it because okay. beyond this, he's awful. Uh, Malcolm in the Middle. Have you watched it? No. I mean, I've seen an episode here and there. It is no. A wonderful show. Really? And I might go as far as to say that Brian Cranston is better as hell in that show than he is. Go to is your water. Go to your water. Breaking don't, even, don't even go there. No, Which led to the question being argument. asked in the group chat amongst uh, the friends Is Brian Cranston the best TV actor that we've had? Of all time? Like, just, you know, in the last like, little while. Generational. Uh, he's Sopranos, James Gandolfini. Doing, well, like, that's just one show. Like, we're just on one show here, right? Like, I mean, that, that over multiple loaded, roles with multiple crafts question. and multiple different genres. So I'm just throwing it out there. It's not meant to throw you on the spot and give you an answer right now. No, it's like, not it's like something I have every actor just, in the history of time to choose from here. But no, well, I mean, you don't have that in your head. You don't have that in your nose. <laughs> don't, don't I told you to be ready for anything. was a pretty good poll. I do have to say. I'm you know I'm on the spot, that's pretty good. <laughs> that's pretty good. So we'll leave that out there right now. If you guys want to chime in with other television actors that I'm sure you will remind me of that are better than Brian Cranston, let me know. But uh, if I have a recommendation to all of you, when you're done watching this show and when you're done watching the Jays and you can't sleep thinking about the game they played, Malcolm in the middle. Well, what was your question about water? Is water wet? Oh man. Yeah, sit on that is one for a while. Is water wet? Sit on that one for a yeah, while. Yeah, yeah, water's water's wet. Okay, cool. Because you, you oh, okay. Chime in. Uh, yeah, and well. we will get all of your tweets. Water is wet is Brian Cranston <laughs> the greatest television actor of all time. Uh, you guys always play a big role, you the viewers in the show and Threw even though off, I'm sitting guys. over Threw here. Him off. No, not at all. Even though I'm sitting here today, and not over there. I do still have the ability to bring up your tweets. Uh, but before we Who get to your tweets. There? Yeah, no, oh. the ghost. The ghost of me. You know what I love? You know what I love? Keep, just keep that shot up. I love this. It's like oh. it is haunted because there's just dead wire. Just nothing. They're here. <laughs> but there's nothing. These don't go anywhere. Just to let people know that, hey, 
This could be you, but we tripping. <laughs> pull, no. pull the curtain back. That no, usually no, plugs into my We can't computer. pull this, though, any further. That so plugs into that, my computer. That kills me. Now we have a cord over here. That kills me, actually. That's, that's really funny. It's a sad sight when it's empty like that. Yeah. A, a bit of a sad You want to go back? No, no, I'm okay. I mean, I'm okay you seem so now. emotional. <laughs> I'm, okay for, I'm okay for now. Uh, before we get to your <laughs> tweets, uh, which we will at some point in First Things First, we got to talk about the biggest stories of the day. Yes. And we begin, and we do that on this show, with First Things First. Did you just set yourself up for first, first things first? I did. I loved it. That's actually I first. loved it. That I is loved a first it. First on first things first. All right, uh, Faze, it was not looking good for the Blue Jays in last night's opener against the Cubs. A shutout through the first six innings of play. They looked like they could be on their way to a fourth straight loss. But Danny Jansen got the Jays on the board in the seventh with a three-run shot that cut the lead to 4-3. And after tying it up in the eighth, Jansen came through again in the eleventh with a walk-off RBI single. How badly did the Jays need that victory? <laughs> Oh, it was, you know, Twitter is generally pretty bad during Jays games when things don't go well. And of late, they haven't, of course, a three-game losing streak coming in to that one. And holy crap, did the Jays just need to somehow find a way to pull that out. It was so unwatchable for so long mm -hmm. in that game. It has been for a few games, of course. It's not representative of what this team is or who they are, of course. They were just coming off a pretty good stretch where they went 6-1 and one on the road versus the Yankees and the Red Sox. But, of course, sports, especially when you're in the thick of a wild card race, it's what have you done for me lately? Yeah. I didn't think they were going to find a way to pull that out because over the course of the last four games, they hadn't scored multiple runs in a single inning and somehow, some way. Found a way to win didn't and needed feel, to do it. Yeah. Needed to do it in every sense of the word. Didn't you feel like the pressure valve kind of released a little bit when Danny Jensen hit that home run? You can see the dugout. Well, they have the rally caps. Going I don't know if these guys feel the work. pressure, right? Because they're having fun in the dugout prior to the home run, praying to the baseball gods, you know? Exercising the most sacred of traditions in baseball. The rally cap. Mm -hmm. The rally cap. Trying to get it going. And... You know what? They did. Vlad was so amped, he didn't even care to put on the jacket to the guy. He didn't even want to run up to be the guy that put the jacket on Danny Jansen. He was all emerged in the celebration there, which is amazing. And look at this, eh? And I, I love this. I, yeah, I just fun. love it, man. And this is what I said about this team. Look, there have been times over the course of this season, over the course of a week or two weeks or even ten games, that they have been pretty tough to watch. That offense, we know for all the names and for all the power that they were supposed to have, hasn't really lit it up in the ways many thought this season, right? You know what got people so hyped last year was the constant home runs, the constant, you know, hey, get the next man but up. You know, we'll find a way to get on base. Whether we walk or we hit, someone else is coming up, which means we're going to score runs. Hasn't stopped the vibes, though. They looked a little down in that Angels series, I will admit. I don't know how much of it had to do with coming in late ahead of that Friday game, but... The vibes were still there. The vibes were still there against a team they should be absolutely beating at least two out of three times this weekend. And, you know, and, and when we have a set, guys, we can pull those standings back up. But we, uh, we needed them to do something there. And you know what? I tweeted this. They won in spite of themselves. You know, Jose Brios wasn't overly great. He gave up 10 hits, had a bunch of good defense played behind him over some harder hit balls. And a lot mm. of the, you know, weaker ones did count as the hits. But wasn't a dominant performance by him. It was another disappointing performance by the offense until it wasn't, which is exactly what we were talking about, that bottom of the order coming through, saving that season. A couple more defensive miscues wrapped around a couple great defensive plays. And, you know, you guys talked, you and Donovan talked about effort and, and heart and stuff mm -hmm. like that. I don't really love those conversations, and I thought about tweeting you guys, but I thought, man, eh, maybe I'll just save it for the show instead. But, I, you know, I, I don't think it's any of those things, right? I don't use, like using those tropes where this team's not trying, this team's not giving you effort. 
we know they're good. We know they're trying. We know over the course of 162 games, a three-game sample isn't representative of this team. We saw over the course of a two-inning stretch, the bullpen be unbelievable, the defense be really, really good, and the offense come through when it needed to come through. And Ross Atkins said, you know, he thinks this team is there waiting to break out. We're hoping. We're waiting Mm -hmm. because one's not good enough. They needed to win. They got to win. Do it again. Might be a little more difficult tonight. Might be a little more emotional tonight given who's on the mound for the other guy or for the other team, excuse me. And we'll touch on that, but just, just do it again from the beginning. Well, we just played the B-roll there of the defense, uh, much improved. And you, you had mentioned that Donovan and I yesterday had the conversation about the focus. Yes. And the Jays had made an error in 10 straight games. You're right. You're up right. Up to yesterday. You're right. But it finally seemed like yesterday everyone was a little bit more dialed in. You saw the Rymel Tapia outfield assist. You saw the bow, which had bow has had a rough time at shortstop as of late. Yesterday made a really good play late in the game to help keep things going. Matt Chapman has continued to be outstanding Chapman's at third base. He's yeah. unbelievable. Chapman's unbelievable. But so the defense yesterday finally looked like it was crisp, a little bit more than usual. Springer had that dive. And I also want to give a special shout-out to the bullpen because last night they They've had four guys that came They deserved a shout-out for quite in. some time, to they be honest with you. They had four guys that came in yesterday and locked it down when the Jays needed it the most yeah. and gave the Blue Jays the ability to have Danny Jansen come up and win the game Look for them. Look at this. That's top, Simber, top third Romano. of the league in, in all you know, key stint. You know, given how this season started, given the narrative around them, Much they've, they've really, really proven their worth. And uh, it's I don't know if I'm going to say it's their top strength because I don't really know what is right now, but it is an asset of mm-hmm. theirs right now. And um, good. Good. Just give them some runs to work with instead of having them trying to hold it down all the time, you know. So, uh, Teoscar Hernandez back in the lineup tonight, yeah. I should say. Whit Merrifield not uh, in the starting lineup, which, you know, gives them an option later in the game. There is your lineup. George and Vlad and Lourdes and Bo and Matt Chapman, Teoscar, Santiago Espinal. Danny Jansen, who, hey, clutch, man, clutch. Jackie Bradley Jr. as well, who's had, you know, a decent spell with the Jays so far as well. But they're going to be taking on Marcus Stroman, who uh, we know. Had some good times here and kind of left uh, slightly underwhelming given so, what the potential was there. When you look back on Marcus Stroman's career here, yeah. there was uh, good and I guess there, was, there were people who didn't like how it ended necessarily with him calling the team out uh, on Twitter. Uh, but do you look back fondly on the memories that you have uh, from Marcus Stroman's time in parts of six seasons with the Blue Jays? Was the ace, played in some really big games, started the oh, bat man. flip game, yeah. started the Edwin walk-off game. No, no. When, the wild when cards are. Do you look back, back on the Came back from that ACL and, and had some moments that yep. season. Man, you know, I'll associate Marcus Stroman's time in Toronto on the mound mostly positive. He, he pitched in really big situations, like you mentioned, and, and came through a lot and was relied upon a lot by John Gibbons in, in those big times to be trusted upon despite the age and, you know, how many other arms were on that team. So, you know, Baseball-wise, yeah. Off the field, I know people have their, their issues and their conversations to, to be had. But, you know, he's all smiles to be back. You've seen his Twitter profile. He's got a lot of fans that still adore him and are going to be cheering his name on tonight. And I just hope they're cheering for the Jays against him as well. Because, again, think of a wild card race. He wants to cheer for them in the playoffs. He said that as well. So, all right, Marcus, let's, let's see how much you want to cheer for them. It's Kevin Gosman going uh, the other way, I should say. What do you think? It is possible that Marcus Stroman is uh, currently watching the show because we tweeted out an engager uh, starting at the Rogers Center for the first time since 2019, which is what is happening tonight, and he's pitching against his former team. How would you define Marcus Stroman's career with the Blue Jays? That is what we asked, 
And then if I pull this up from Cheryl. We went with uh, that emotional black and white picture, right? Just to hit harder, eh? Exactly. Real newsy of us. Inspirational from coming back from injury in 2015, which you just mentioned, uh, to his view on how height doesn't measure heart, from his joy in the dugout to his calmness on the mound. We sure miss him here in Toronto, but I'm glad others get to witness his greatness. And that one of three likes is from Marcus Stroman himself. We know he's always active on Twitter, so... Uh, chiming in on the little engager that Tim and friends put out there today. We got Caleb Joseph coming up a little later in the show. We'll ask him about Marcus Stroman's time here. And, uh, and of course, we'll ask him about the current Jays and where he sees this season ending, of course. So we'll uh, put a pin in that one right now. Come back to it a little later in Love the it. show. And stick with baseball after sweeping the Jays. The Angels winning their fourth straight game last night, 4-3 over the Yankees. Aaron Judge hitting his 50th home run of the season in the L. Just the seventh player in Major League history to reach 50 before September. Meanwhile... In Cincinnati, Albert Pujols did it again. Home run number 694 of his career in the Cards' win over the Reds. What's more likely to happen? Jesse Rubinow. Mm. Judge breaking Roger Maris's record of 61 or Pujols getting to 700? Okay, so that is a great question. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Aaron Judge because currently Aaron Judge is on pace for 63. So just hear me out as I play this out. In my mind. I think I just did. I think you just He's on pace it. for yep. 63. Okay. The reason Albert Pujols, although he seems to have more games left than Aaron Judge, or um, more, f- sorry, fewer home runs to hit to get to 700 than Judge does to get to 60, he's currently playing mostly as a platoon player against lefty pitchers. Platooned so, with eight home runs in August, bro. Yeah, That's all been, I'm he's saying. He's been pretty good. Yeah. But if, he, if the Cardinals can pull away in the division just a little bit more and free up some at-bats for Albert Pujols that, that are a little bit less meaningful to the team but obviously much more meaningful to Albert Pujols then I think this this question and this answer can flip a little bit and we get back to Albert potentially getting to 700 but we are blessed as baseball fans to be able to watch two home run chases as we get to the mm. end of the baseball season. Because there hasn't been any other home run chases to really watch no, this season. No. I think Kyle Schwarber's second in the With major 36 league. 36 home runs. Judge home has runs, a 14 right? home yeah. run lead. Yeah, yeah. I Angels, think he's going to win the home run title this you year. You look yeah. at the history of this. So we're looking at Pujols trying to become the fourth player to ever get to the 700 club. Only two Yankees have ever got to 60. That's Roger Maris and Babe Ruth. And Maris is 61. That is very much in danger for Aaron Judge. So, look... Most people who watch this program are Jays fans, but we show a lot of baseball on this network. And over the course of the next month, you're going to get to watch a lot of Aaron Judge. I'm sure a lot of Albert Pujols as well. And I just tell fans, enjoy the ride because this is going to be very fun. You don't know how often you get to see record-breaking performances like this. And what a way for Albert Pujols to put a feather in his cap on an unbelievable, legendary career than to become the fourth player to accomplish that milestone. I hope they both accomplish it. I think they will. I think they will. Yeah. That, that's not a hot take, I, I, given the pace that they're on right yeah. now, especially Judge and what Pujols has done over the last month. To even get himself in a like, conversation to do that, the cards owe it to him to try to get him that. He said sure. he's going to retire no matter what. He said this is it. So, man, let him play. Let him try to hit six more out. Let them both do it on the same day. Let's just... Let's just have it happen, please, because we don't get to celebrate all-time achievements in this sport anymore, yeah. you know, given where the sport's gone, given what we know about bodies and injuries and longevity. Like, this guy is one of the greatest to ever do it. Let's get that round number to round out the career. It's pretty crazy, too, because you think back to the this pandemic and how baseball was canceled, and you wonder if, if Albert Pujols, pandemic didn't happen, he had played that year, he would have easily easily got to 700 and it makes you think that where would that number end up for his career yeah. uh, wow. it's the 30th home run last night was the 30th home run that he had hit 
on an 0-2 count that is the most in Major League Baseball history. Serena Williams is through to the second round at the U.S. Open after a straight sets win over Donka Kovinich last night in front of a record-setting and star-studded crowd. Did Serena's performance give you hope that she could hang around for just a little while, Faze? I don't know. Define a little while. I'm, I'm not 100% sure. Oh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm happy for this to extend as long as possible because I'm wearing the Serena Williams shoes today because it felt like a proper way to pay homage. Here, where, where do I look? Nice. Here, the Blazers, Serena Blazers here. Yeah. By the way, someone's questioning the outfit choice. Um, it's very hot in this studio. I went with the T-shirt over the blazer today because I felt like it. It is hot. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Oh, man, Seren Serena, Serena's awesome. She's been one of my favorite athletes to watch over the course of her career. I love seeing pictures of where people were watching from yesterday, people in a plane, the entire plane. Uh, it wouldn't have been a Canadian flight, obviously. There's no live TV on those. But an American flight, it seemed, all tuned in to watch because it could be the final time, at least in singles, uh, that she does this thing. The entrance was fitting for her. Look at man, her daughter Olympia. with the beads. Olympia taking the picture. She said, I just took a picture of mommy. It was awesome to see. <laughs> And uh, I want to talk to John Wortham about this as well. The entire crowd on their feet for what could have been her match point, I've never seen in tennis. You know, we see it when there's two strikes, two outs in an inning, mm -hmm. crowds on their feet, everyone's clapping, you know, free throws at the end of a game, everyone's... I've never seen a crowd on their feet to close out a tennis match. At least I couldn't put one in my head, a memory uh, that associated with no. that. And so she's not done yet. She's got a tough match coming up, but it doesn't matter. She's Serena Williams and... Uh, I'm hoping, just like Albert Pujols is finding something in him to hit all these jacks right now, she finds a little something else in her, <laughs> taking on the second-ranked player in the world. Because I don't want to see her go. I just don't want to see her go yet. Did you not feel like the, the pomp and circumstance, it felt like people went there expecting it to be Serena Williams' final match. But it could have been. It, it could it have been, been, and I understand that that's why the ticket prices were expensive. It was, I believe, on the secondary market, a more expensive ticket than any U.S. Open women's final in the history of that tournament, which is crazy when you consider it's a first-round match, but not so crazy but when you consider that it's Serena Williams. This is what I mean. The only one in this sport, at least on the women's side still today, to transcend it itself, to transcend the game on the court. She is the most popular person there. She is a celebrity higher than the celebrities that are there to watch her, at least mm -hmm. most of them at least, and they see royalty in Serena Williams, and they needed to be a part of it. I loved seeing that, man. I, I, I just loved it. I was trying to pick out the who's who in the crowd as I was watching. I had Bella Hadid explaining tennis to Offset over there, and it, it, was, an it was crazy. It yeah. was like a Mad Libs of who's who there. <laughs> it, it was wicked to see. I don't want. I genuinely don't want it to end. I would love for her to make it into the second week, have those crowds rally. You see the yeah. you know lineups of people waiting to go see her. How high the ticket prices will go, and people holding on to the hope that she could win just one more time because. Hey, she's Serena Williams. She's the greatest to ever yeah. do it in this sport, right? It doesn't seem that unfathomable. Maybe battling the nerves a little bit early on, but <laughs> nine aces. I mean, it does. It does tennis-wise. It does seem unfathomable given that you know over her last few weeks, especially since announcing this retirement, hasn't been this is a vintage Serena. Hasn't been for a while, quite frankly, which is why she's ready to take the next step in mm. her career. But I'm just hoping somewhere, somehow, there's a way for her to channel vintage Serena and uh, dial back the clock just a tiny bit. Uh, Dan Clark Sports yeah. on Twitter uh, sent this tweet out, which is just an unbelievable statistic. So on August 29, 2001, Serena Williams won at the U.S. Open. Albert Pujols hit a home run. Vlad Guerrero Sr., Craig Biggio, and Dante Bichette all recorded a hit on that date. Now, August 29, 2022, 21 years later, Serena Williams wins at the U.S. Open. Albert Pujols hits a home run. 
Vlad Guerrero Jr., Kevin Biggio, Bo Bichette, all record a hit. Uh, <laughs> unbelievable statistic. Unreal. That, like, that's just one of the cool things about sports. And again, I was saying this, we don't get longevity in, in careers like we used to. So when you can put something like that together and connect the dots, awesome. So uh, awesome. Uh, okay, Canada and USA at the Women's World Championships. Top spot in Group A. On the line, Canada has won their last five meetings against USA. Less than four minutes in, Renata Fast. Point shot, corralled by Sarah Fillier. Buries it on Canada's first shot of the game. Good start, one zip later in the frame. Kelly Panic. Ooh, look out. Big hit on Sarah Nurse. Issued a two-minute penalty for roughing. Ensuing Canada power play, Victoria Bach. Shot is stopped, gets the rebound to Ella Shelton. Snaps it through a pile of bodies. Canada up two zip. After 20 minutes of play, we go to the second period. Now 2-1, Emma Malte. Throws it in front, Jesse Eldridge. Backhand tip, ooh, through her legs, hits the post. That would have been big because uh, shortly after, Canada fails to clear their zone. Kayla Barnes with the point shot. Panic, redirection, finds the back of the net. That ties things up at two, just over three minutes in the third. Savannah Harmon, cross-ice feed, finds Lacey Eden, rips it top corner, and the USA take the top of the group with a 5-2 win. Uh, here's what's uh, very interesting about this. Um, USA wins this. They now play, Canada plays Sweden, and USA will play Hungary in the quarterfinals. The reason I say it's interesting is because it's, it's the rare tournament where these two teams were able to get a look at each other yep. in the preliminary yep. round, and all signs obviously point, as they usually do in this tournament, to Canada and the United States once again playing in the finals. So if you're Canada, and the USA scored five unanswered goals, by the way, how do you rally back from that knowing you just surrendered five straight goals oh, to you, lose in the preliminaries? Yeah, you look at the gold medal that you've got from you know, the most recent Olympics answer. and say, hey, okay, we've done this before. This is not the big game. We had a lead. Mm -hmm. We'll be okay. I love it. We'll be okay. All right, still to come. Kyle Branch stops by. We discuss our NFL topic of the day, the stacked AFC West. Caleb Joseph we got from the Rogers Center ahead of Jays and Cubs, Matt Devlin on Canada Basketball's impressive week. And up next, just a special night for Serena Williams. We'll discuss it with Sports Illustrated's John Wertheim. That's next. Him and friends, only friends today. Let's, Let's go. Let's do it, baby. The are trying to change their luck in the dugout. That's uh, something you see in college games, but hey, whatever it takes, fellas. And try anything. Jansen with a fly ball to deep left center field. It's gone. Boy, did they need that. Danny Jansen with a base hit into left field. Chapman around third on his way to the plate and in there safely. Danny Jansen with a huge night tonight as the Blue Jays walk it off. Layla Annie Fernandez, Felix Ogieli, C. Bianca Andrescu. Flying the flag proudly for Canadian tennis. The greatest of all time has taken the stage. Let's play Serena Williams, round one of the U.S. Open. Dan Williams. A dance and a smile at the end, and we'll see the twirl now. Serena Williams, the greatest of all time. First things first, survive opening night. Wow! 
What a get. She is fearless in every way, shape, and form. Oh, yeah. Big serves and big moments. Greatest serve we've ever seen in women's tennis. I haven't seen Serena play like this in five years. Wow. And Serena, we've been a game now of a massive exhale. And now three match points. No swans on this evening in Arthur Ashe Stadium. Serena will write another page to the last chapter of her professional career. She's not ready to be done. Not at all. A night to remember, not just in the tennis world, but the sports world at large. Serena Williams moves on at the U.S. Open in front of record crowds. And to talk about what we saw, let's bring on the expert on the subject from Sports Illustrated and the Tennis Channel. Please help me welcome John Wertheim. Thanks for doing this, John. You're very kind. How are you guys? Doing well. Uh, doing well. So the, the pop and circumstance was unbelievable last night. Record crowds. And I said to Faisal uh, early in the first block that it felt like people were there expecting to see Serena Williams' final match. But she pulled it out. What did you make of what you saw last night? Yeah, I mean, keep in mind, the previous set she played, she lost six love. So I think there was this sort of this element, this sort of strain of, boy, let's hope this isn't embarrassing. Um, it wasn't embarrassing at all. It was, uh, I, I said, she, she did a pretty convincing Serena Williams impersonation. This is what an early round match with Serena Williams has always looked like. She's never lost in the first round of the U.S. Open 21 years. Mm -hmm. And uh, she was great. A little bit nervous to begin with. And then she closed out. The first set, as you can see here, I mean, look, did, did she play the last of the world beaters on the other side of the net? No, she did not, but she did what she had to do. She looked immeasurably better than she did two weeks ago in Cincinnati, the week before that in Toronto. And here she is, and suddenly the conversation has turned to she got her goodbye, but boy, she could do some real damage on this tournament. And um, I, I thought she, she looked terrific last night. Well, we know the match gets just much tougher tomorrow, taking on number two in the tournament. Was there anything in round one that convinced you that, you know what, she could be here for the long haul a little bit? Yeah, I, I don't know if she's in the long haul as yeah. in winning her 24th major, but could she beat the number two seed with the crowd behind her? She's gotten the nerves out of the way. She looked like she was moving. Again, we're, we're talking about two weeks later. Mm -hmm. um, she looked like a completely different player than the player who lost in Cincinnati to Emma Raducanu and lost, you know, the, the last eight games. She moved really well. She served well, as she often does. And she did not look like a 41-year-old, uh, a soon-to-be 41-year-old mother who's playing in her last tournament. She looked like, you know, she looked like Serena Williams for the most part. Well, is that part of what makes her great, John? Like, we saw her in Toronto, and it wasn't the same Serena Williams that we have become accustomed to seeing. But then you hear that she maybe practices a little bit more. I know that she had, had practiced with some players, which is something that is rare for her. But just that ability to flip the switch, knowing that everybody now knows it's going to be likely her final tournament and the final time that we get to see Serena Williams. Is that part of what makes her great, just the ability to flip the switch? Absolutely. And what does it say about her? She's got one major left. She has all this pressure and she's trying to figure out new ways to practice. I, I don't she didn't come here for a victory lap. I mean, you know, it's the odds makers may have their own point of view, but I think she genuinely believes she can win this tournament. And yeah, I mean, this is what she's made a, a career of doing, which is defying people and, and doing it her own way. I wish you could quantify self-belief and confidence because i think that's such a big part of this story and it sounds like locker room cliches but you can just 
tell by the way she comports herself she thinks she is going to win and more often than not including last night she uh she's done just that do you remember seeing an entire crowd on their feet anticipating a match point like yesterday? Because, I, you know, look, I talked about how in baseball with two strikes, everyone's on their feet clapping for the pitcher to get that strikeout. In college basketball, basketball, people are on their feet a lot of a game. I can't remember, and, and maybe it's just me being blinded by the moment, people on their feet for a match point like that in tennis. I usually see the crowd stand up in jubilation after, you know, their favorite player wins, but it, it just felt different yesterday. Yeah, some of this is tennis, right? And this is part of what Serena's done. She's brought a new energy to tennis. Mm -hmm. She's old convention. There are no home games in this sport. But I got to say that uh, Serena Williams, American, six-time champion, you know, almost 41 years old, mother, retired. I mean, that's as close as you can get to replicating a home game. And, uh, you know, that, that was about 99, probably uh, – a couple of um, a cu couple of fans there for the opponent, but this was about as close as you will get to a home game in uh, in tennis. I don't want to write her off just yet, but what happens when she does ultimately leave this sport to the sport? We know she transcends it. We know she's celebrity beyond just tennis. Is there anyone on tour that you think, even fractionally, can compare to what Serena does to help grow the game into the next wave? Yeah, I, I would say Roger Federer, but he uh, he like Serena was born in 1981 <laughs> and uh, north of 40. I you know I think Co Coco Goff has charm to burn and is is wonder. I would, I would say if tennis doesn't work out, her backup plan could be president of the United States. Mm -hmm. uh, Naomi Osaka obviously has a big following, but no, I mean Serena also built this over a quarter of a century. I mean her her first U.S. Open title was in 1999, when something like 40 percent of the current players weren't even alive. So. Um, you know, t this is going to be like, I, I mean, I don't know, hockey after Gretzky or the NBA after Jordan. Eventually some LeBron or Steph Curry will come along, but it's, it's going to take a while. This is, uh, these, are, these are big shoes to fill. Do you remember a farewell tour of this magnitude? I mean, you see it in different sports. You see it in the NBA. You see it, in, it really in any major sport. But in tennis, like I, I was thinking about it earlier, I have a hard time remembering uh, a time when it has been a farewell of this sort of magnitude. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good point. I think Serena didn't want a long, drawn-out tour. So keep in mind, all this came together in the last few right. weeks when she finally formalized this, right? It's not like she said, oh, it's my last year, and at every stop, they give you a rocking chair, a bottle of wine. I mean, this is all sort of hastily thrown together. Um, no, I mean, I, you know, Andre Agassi retired at the U.S. Open, you know, we're, we're almost 20 years ago. I think it was 2006, and that's something that people have drawn comparisons. But no, I mean, I think with everything Serena has represented, with all she's been through in New York. Again, we're talking about a, a quarter century of excellence. Um, that was a scene like you will you will not see in a tennis tournament uh, in the past, and you probably won't see again in the future. So she goes up against the number two seed, Annette Kontovit. Um, on paper, you hear a two seed, and usually when a two seed would be playing against a 40-year-old, you would think that's going to be the end of the line for the 40-year-old. But is there some vulnerability in Kontovit that you think Serena can exploit and maybe move on here? There is huge vulnerability. Um, Kontovit is number two, but that's mostly, I mean, keep in mind, the number one player a year ago, Ash Barty retired. There's been some jostling in the rankings. Contemate won the, the bulk of those points sort of playing indoor events last fall. So she's had a bout of COVID. She's number two seed, but you probably wouldn't consider her among the top 10 choices to win the tournament. So she's, she's a very good player. You don't want to uh, begrudge what she achieved, but uh, this is a pretty mushy number two seed who certainly she's never played particularly deep in a major she's never had twenty-three thousand people rooting for the opponent she's never had this kind of weight of occasion 
I, I think Zarina's got a real chance here. Some of this just based on the tennis we saw last night, but some of this based on the circumstances too, because uh, Estonia's Annette Kontavit is never going to have a contact <laughs> or an environment like uh, she, she will have on Wednesday. Yeah, round two can't come soon enough. Uh, from one sentimental story to another, Daria Sneger, a 20-year-old Ukrainian player whose training base in Kiev, Ukraine, was bombed earlier this year, uh, beat the National Bank Open champ and two-time Grand Slam champ Simona Halep in round one, her first ever tour-level win. I saw you retweeted this story. Uh, quite a shocking moment for the tennis world, wouldn't you say? I tell you, tennis just never stops giving. This is why we'll survive post-Serena and, and Federer mm -hmm. Nadal, stories like this. So here's a qualifier. This was her first main draw, turn, you know, this was her first match win, and she beats Halep, who, as you say, was terrific in Toronto, and in a lot of people's minds was a favorite to win this tournament. Here's this qualifier whose training base was apparent. I mean, you know, we, we all were reading this for the first time because it's not a particularly prominent player. You, you see she has very, uh, you, could, you could see her, she has very unorthodox strokes. But what she has been through in the last nine months, her training center was bombed after the, the Russian invasion. That's her, her father. He can't believe it either. What a scene. And, um, you know, t tennis, for all of its quirks, has a way of authoring these stories. And this has been the, the upset of the tournament so far. And it's a great backstory as well. Uh, she's getting set to take on Rebecca Marino, a Canadian, in the second round in these parts. Of course, we have a lot of love for the sport, given the success of Canadians, especially uh, in New York. Of course, Leila Fernandez back, Bianca Andreescu back after tough injury spells. Any chance either of them or Felix or Dennis on the men's side can, can ex have an extended run in this tournament, given what this, the year has kind of been like for them? We're coming off a year in which a qualifier won the tournament. <laughs> and Leila Fernandez, you know, came, came within a few points of getting the title. So, yeah, I mean, I think we're in this mode now of anything is possible. I, I think Felix is really getting to sort of a a case of, uh, of of when and not if. I mean, it's it's sort of time for him to take that next step. This would be an opportune time to do so. He he looked pretty good yesterday. There there was one set he uh, disappeared a little bit, but came and beat a player he should have beaten. And uh, a lot a lot of us have have really high hopes for Felix. And then, you know, it's only three years ago that a Canadian player won the women's title, and she appears to be back. We're talking about Bianca Andreescu, obviously. Again, Layla Fernandez has won seven of her last eight matches at the U.S. Open. In this year in particular, when the, the Open is as open as Open gets, I, I think uh, those three players have real chances. Just so much to look forward to. Serena, the Canadians, it's going to be a fun tournament. John, thanks so much for doing this. We'll catch up soon. You got it. Anytime. It's John Worth. I'm of SI and the Tennis Channel. Time for a break. When we come back, Matt Devlin, Addy D. We got to talk something out here on air, too, Jesse. We'll... Get to that. Impressive stretch for Canada's men's basketball team. A huge new deal for RJ Barrett with the Knicks as well. Tim and friends. No Tim, but I don't know. I think we're doing fine. Others <laughs> don't seem to think so. We'll discuss next.
to 50. It's almost inevitable now that they will qualify for the World Cup. Performance from Canada in FIBA World Cup qualifying. They look to be on their way to qualifying for said World Cup, although don't want to commit to that just yet, given what we've seen with this team in the wild. But this this is really different. We're in for Matt Devlin, and uh, when he's here, we will talk to I'm him about it. I'm just on edge about you saying that. Okay, that so let, let's talk a couple here. things out, okay? Because, uh, and guys, please feel free to pull up my computer. I'm getting a lot of these tweets right now. Yeah, hey, I, we haven't discussed Tim this. And I don't know what's no, coming No, it's either. okay. That's okay. Why isn't it Jesse and friends tonight put Faisal in the corner? Which, you know, fair. Faisal on the desk with Jesse. Did Faze have one too many espressos before going live? He has yet to shut up long enough for Jesse to say more than two words. Sorry. (laughs) Take a breath. Let Jesse Rubinoff get a take in. LOL. Cheers. Can we talk about Faisal's pain? No, that's unrelated. So, no, we can get away from this now. Um, I apologize if I've taken your shine here, <laughs> Jesse Rubinoff. I haven't. Get out of here, You know, here, I'm man. excited to do this show. Obviously excited to do the show with you. I feel Energy. like i got to sneak in all my takes it. when I'm here. And so I if I have it. overstepped, no. I apologize to you, my friend. You're the best. It's always a pleasure and a privilege yeah. to work with you. Yeah, uh, he so hates yeah. me. He no, hates no me. not at all. Uh, you saw uh, that thought we just ran. Yes. Canada moving to 8-0 in World Cup qualifying last night with a dominating win over Panama. Now, you could say they performed with the same level of poise in class as our next guest, oh, can't. especially can't. especially when he was at Boots and Hearts Music Festival being swarmed <laughs> by my friends. Make some noise for Matt Devlin, the smoothest guy in the business. Listen, Matt, do you prefer to talk to one of us or both of us, given that people are pretty contentious about the fact that I'm sitting in this chair today? I, I don't know why, because after Boots and Hearts, I mean, Jesse and I, I guess we're, we're lifelong friends. That's right. We go way back, uh, all the way uh, before actually high school, junior high, elementary. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're that close. Yeah. But no, I, I think both of you, it's great. I think Jesse, you know, Jesse gets a lot of runs. So, you know what, Faisal, have at it. Faisal and Thank you. Thank you. Faisal and friends, you know. The F is already there. They just need to see, copy and paste easy. it on the other it's side. It's right there, Matty D. Thank you, man. When, when, when you have Jesse and friends, it's a different story. Because look, <laughs> I've been with Jesse and friends, okay? You have been with and Jesse and friends. Jesse, of course, hangs out in the VIP section. And Jesse, with all of his friends, they do love the Raptors. In fact, there's a couple of friends that have you know, tattoos, oh, raptor tattoos, and um, yeah, it's inter- interesting times. I interesting told, times. you know what, I gotta be honest, I told that one specific friend that you were coming on the show, and he said he's gonna PVR and watch it just to see if you mentioned wow. the tattoo, so there you go. Couldn't watch it live, you got couldn't it. watch it live. Of course. You got the you tattoo. After, after the, best, the best part <laughs> of that, I mean, we had so much fun and, and love talking you know, Toronto Raptor fans, you know, two Raptor fans and all the Jesse's, I mean, diehards, diehards and their opinions, you know, I mean, they are out there with their opinions. I, there's one specific friend, I'm not going to call him out by name. Okay. But the one, he actually would ask me a question and I couldn't even begin to answer it. And then he would already be like, yeah, well, you know, this is why, and this is what needs to happen. And, and I'm like, okay, I got you. I got you. <laughs> it's like, so, so you're saying it's like what the fans think Faisal's doing to me today, <laughs> essentially. essentially. It's not even that. I just got a tweet that says you're killing it. But when Matt Devlin is on, shut up. I feel like I've said two words so far <laughs> no, with him. I feel like right. I've said two words. 
You know what, Jesse? You asked me a question. Okay. I'm going to shut up. I, Fine. To I me. have a lot of love for Faisal, oh, by the way. Yeah. It's, it's very much mutual. Trust me. So do I. And so do the fans, despite the tweets that Faisal is currently pulling up. <laughs> uh, Maddie, let's get to some basketball here. So Canada just steamrolls Panama. And without Corey Joseph, without Shea Gilgis-Alexander, without Nikhil Alexander-Walker, maybe this was still to be expected. But did you think that the team really, their depth really showed out last night? No question, and that's what it speaks to. And it takes time to develop depth. They have it. And it's been something that we've all talked about for quite some time. Uh, It's been three to four seasons now in the NBA where outside of the United States, Canada has the second most NBA players. It's going to be a situation where an NBA player is not going to make an Olympic team. Uh, It is something that continues, as we know, to grow and grow and the depth is so important to have because just like the U.S., you have to be able to make your way through the qualifying to get to ultimately where you want to go. And not everybody, as we know, is going to be available during that stretch. And so for Canada, what they did last night was so exceptional, but it also speaks to the commitment of all of those players, knowing that they're a piece of the puzzle to get Canada to where they all want it to be, right? And so for players that know playing last night, hey, I may not make that Olympic team, but that's okay because I'm playing a role in this. And it is the golden age of Canada basketball, and it's only going to grow even more. The commitment shown by the players asked for by Canada basketball is extremely significant. We know that. And it was something that was started by uh, USA basketball after Greece when they did not win gold and they looked around and said, wait a minute, we can't put a team together two weeks prior and think that we're going to come away with a W. We need a commitment. And when you look around, you know, Jerry Colangelo was able to get all the players to buy into that and credit, obviously, to Canada basketball, Michael Bartlett and Nick Nurse and everyone involved to say, hey, this level of commitment is needed if we want to win. And they are going to win. They are going to medal. And one day they're going to win gold. Matt, I'm being told you're talking too much. People want to hear Jesse talk more. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Listen, it's, it's way too... No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, Matty, as part of what you said why this iteration of Team Canada men's basketball is different. We've gotten hope before over the course of a generation. This team is different. This is the one. This is the one. Something feels tangibly different about this. The commitment, the practicing through the course of the summer, getting the multiple years attached to some of these players, having the NBA head coach re-up himself. Is that why this is going to be the different group, the one that ultimately leads them uh, to an Olympics and hopefully to a medal as well? No question. No question. I mean, you said it all right there as to why this is different. Um, And it begins, as we just spoke to, the depth that you have, the continued growth of the game. And you think about Zach Eady, 
I remember watching Zach Eady when he played for the then Toronto Penguins in double A in the GTHL as a hockey player. And you think about where he has grown individually in the game and then collectively a part of Canada basketball playing at Purdue University. And so there's a shining example of a player that was exposed to a game in junior high school and all of a sudden just took off and there are countless others the game continues to grow the depth continues to be there and it's it's a lot of fun a lot of fun to watch it, it really is maddie uh one of the members of the summer core rj barrett finalizing a four-year rookie extension that could be worth up to 120 million dollars so i guess it's safe to say rj barrett not coming to the raptors anytime soon <laughs> Congratulations yes. to RJ. So well-deserved. Uh, I spoke during the Global Jam. I mean, this is another piece to it, which Sportsnet is a part of uh, when you go back to the event at TMU uh, to have the Global Jam, um, a U23 tournament. I spoke to Rowan there. It's just so great to see RJ continue to flourish and to grow, uh, to step away from Duke University after one year. Understandable given uh, where he was drafted, but you're in the number one market and you are always in the headlines there. He's handled it with such grace and class and he works hard. And I, I could not be any, any happier for mm. RJ. And he, he is, you know, he has it all, the, the total package, and it just continue to grow and grow and grow. And you see, you know, the numbers and what he was able to put in, and you think about his age and where he is right now. And I think people forget about that, right? You know, how young he is, um, and he's doing it in the number one market. Uh, it's, it speaks a lot um, about um, who R.J. Barrett is as a young man. Uh, I got uh, friends texting me left, right, and center. Uh, the tattoo tattoo friend says watching live, and he's losing his mind. So uh, thanks for that. And uh, say hi to the family since we're uh, old friends. All right, guys, let me thank him. And, uh, let's get out of and here. we'll talk soon. That is backup voice of the Blue Jays, Matt Devlin. Thank you, man. Wait, before I go, just tell your friend I look forward to attending his wedding because we got that close. Love it. That I love day. It. I love it. I'll text thanks, him Maddie. right now. I'll text him right now. You got it. <laughs> After the break, we're going to go. The Jays escaped with a much-needed win last night. Can they make it two in a row over Marcus Stroman and the Cubs tonight? We discuss all things Blue Jays when we head to the yard and catch up with Caleb Joseph. That's next on Tim and Friends. Did you talk enough? I'm sorry. I'm good. You're I'm good? good? I'm good with my word count. All right, yeah. cool. Thank you. <laughs> Jesse Rubinoff, Faisal Kamisa, back here for hour number two here on Tim and Friends. Tim will be back next week. We've got a full hour to come on Sportsnet 360, which includes Kyle Brandt and a closer look at the stacked AFC West. I'm scared of talking, to be honest. No, no, you're good. no I'm just kidding. No, no, you're good. Absolutely not. Caleb Joseph from the ballpark in minutes. We're teeing up Cubs and Jays. First, let's get you caught up on the news of the day. We'll start some hockey. Double IHF Women's World Championship. Canada winning their last five meetings against Team USA. Less than four minutes in. It's a fast start for them. Renata fast, that is. Point shot corralled 
by Sarah Fillier. She buries it on Canada's first shot of the game. One zip. Later in the frame, Kelly Panic, a big hit on Sarah Nurse. She's issued a two-minute penalty for roughing. Ensuing Canada power play, Victoria Bach. Her shot is stopped. The rebound, though, gets to Ella Shelton, who snaps it past a pile of bodies and in. Canadians up 2-zip through 20. Second period now 2-1. Emma Malte throws it in front. Jesse Eldridge, the backhand tip through her legs. This would have been great. Yeah, that would have been nice. It's the post. Shortly after, Canada fails to clear the zone. Kayla Barnes, the point shot. Panic redirects it in. Ties the game at 2. Just over three minutes into the third. Savannah Harmon, the cross-size feed, finds Lacey Eden. Rips it top corner. USA, they take top of the group with a 5-2 win. Here are the quarterfinal matchups, which go down Thursday. Team USA will play Hungary. Canada will face Sweden. Finland play Czechia. Switzerland, they will play Japan. The teams will be reseeded for semifinal play, so Canada and the U.S. can still meet in the final. Well, the PHF has unveiled the name and logo for their expansion Montreal franchise. The team will be called the Montreal Force. The Force will play in seven different cities in Quebec in their inaugural season. The PHF season schedule is still to be finalized. As mentioned, we're counting down to Jays and Cubs. Get your rally hats out. The Jays winning yesterday. Blue Jays Central comes your way at 6.30 Eastern, 3.30 Pacific on Sportsnet. The Jays entering the night two games up on the Orioles for that final wild card spot. Just the game back of the Rays for first in the wild card standings. Here's your pitching matchup tonight. It's a pretty good one. Former Jay Marcus Stroman making his first career start as a visitor at Rogers Center. He pitched parts of six seasons with the Jays and started some pretty high leverage playoff games, including the bat flip game in 2015 and the wild card game in 2016. Kevin Gosman starting for the Jays coming off a shaky outing at Fenway. Here's the lineup to face Stroman. Big news is Teoscar Hernandez back in the lineup playing right field and batting sixth. George Springer taking the DH spot and leading off. Bo Bichette cleaning up. Matt Chapman is up to fifth. Danny Jansen stays in. He catches Gosman. And Jackie Bradley Jr. is in center. Here's manager John Schneider on his team's game plan facing Stroman. You know, whenever you're diving into an opponent, it's nice to, you know, really know his arsenal, way he likes to attack guys. So I think maybe a little bit more him than than other guys we face. But, you know, I think that there's always the compete factor that goes into it. And I'm sure he's going to be more than ready for this start. Um, so, yeah, as long as you feel prepared, you feel pretty good about it. Happy to be joined now by Nashville Predators fan and Blue Jay Central <laughs> nice. analyst Caleb Joseph, who joins us from the Rogers Center getting set for his duties on Blue Jay Central. Of course, the deserved clap. Caleb, I'll start with this. You're, of course, at the Rogers Center yesterday. Things were looking bleak for a lot mm -hmm. of that game until they weren't. How loud was it when Danny Jansen hit that three-run shot? Yeah, it was loud enough to count, you know, three days worth of silence, I guess, right? Uh, the Blue Jays offense had been really, really quiet over that homestand against the Angels, and you could just feel the kind of anxiety. You could just feel that the fans and the players, for that matter, were just ready to explode. Goodness, you see right there, they had the rally caps going. Last time I did it, I think I was a freshman in college. So, yeah, sometimes desperate times call for desperate measures, but... They needed it. They got it. See if this can kind of ignite them and keep them going. Top five guys in the lineup last night went four for 22. But what does it do for a team when it's the bottom of the lineup that is providing the spark, especially when the Jays were as down bad as, as they were heading into the comeback last night? 
Yeah, you talk about lineup balance with this team a lot and depth of balance, depth of, of just their entire staff really in general. But look, the reality is when they're getting contributions from Biggio, from Tapia, from Chapman, Chapman's been doing such a great job this entire year, uh, really starting to heat up, especially with the power numbers. But you're talking about threats at the bottom and what it allows your offense to do is to keep rolling. And when they can roll it back up to the top, that's a really good situation. And it doesn't allow the starting pitcher to feel like they have a break in, in the action in terms of getting through that first five or six. They feel like they have a break. Nope, not with the Blue Jays lineup, especially when they're producing like they are in the bottom. Really good for Danny Jansen. It's been real, real fun to kind of watch him learn how to how to figure out how to get some hits with, when he's not playing every single day. Danny's been kind of an everyday guy as we see Kurt get, has been getting a lot of starts behind the plate but to see him go out there and produce really really good for him. He does so many good things for the club behind the plate. Always a plus. I know as a catcher when you can do something on offense and he, he put the team on his back yesterday yeah, for four RBIs big three run homer and the game winner. So really happy for him in that bottom of the order. Is it important for a manager to sometimes just change things up in the lineup to try to get other guys going? We see Bobachet up the fourth, Matt Chapman up the fifth, and is the hope just that, you know, they'll be seeing slightly different pitches and maybe that'll just get them going in a desperate time? Yeah, it matters. Uh, and you can send little small messages, too, by sending guys up and down the order. And reality is, it, when you're hitting, you're hitting, and you're not thinking, okay, I'm going up to bat right now, and I'm hitting fifth, so I'm going to do this. No, when it's your time to hit, you're, you're ready to hit. But, yeah, for some reason, pitchers are pit, pitching hitters differently when they're in different spots. I did it as a catcher. I, I don't really know why, but for some reason, when certain guys would move up into certain parts of the order, you just kind of pitch them a little bit differently. A guy that would normally hit five and they're hitting three that day, there's kind of like a, a game plan that you stick to with that three hole. Normally there's damage in front of them, damage behind them. For some reason it just happens. So when you're able to navigate that, move that around a little bit, it does. It creates a different look for the hitter, different look for the pitcher, and sometimes you're playing matchups too. Remember, they have all the tech in the world down there. They know the exact matchups that they're looking for and the occurrences in terms of how many times they want to see those matchups. So, yeah, there's a lot of going on behind the scenes, but yeah, it's always good to have a little break in, in the action, especially when things aren't going well, to kind of shake it up, see what happens. What impressed you more last night? Was it the defense or the bullpen? Because both played a very critical role in the victory in addition to Danny, Dan Danny Jansen's <laughs> performance at the plate. Both. It's yeah. really hard to say one or the other. I counted 11-plus major league defensive plays. Not routine plays, but plus 11. And it all started with Matt Chapman when he fielded that first play of the game. He grabbed it, and he absolutely rocketed the ball over to first base and just set the tone. You see an amazing diving catch by Springer right there. He's just been all over the place. Another diving play by Bezio. There were outstanding plays all over the diamond and you just can't say enough about what the bullpen has been able to do over the last 7, 12 days. They've been really in the top five in terms of ERA, in terms of innings pitch hits, strikeouts yeah. in the league. They've been fantastic. I think the addition of Anthony Bass just really kind of set everybody in place when you're talking about Simber, Gimme Garcia. Bass comes in, kind of sets a really good spot there. Romano pitching, he's just been unbelievable. He's been able to go multiple innings. Great sign for the Blue Jays. I mean, goodness, it's always good to see triple digits from your closer. And they just seem like they're in a really good spot. It seems like uh, pitching coach Pete Walker and manager John Schneider, they've got a really good template and format as to where everybody's slotting. That allows them to be put in the best position to succeed. So 
Both of them are really, really good. The hardest thing is you have to do it again yeah. tomorrow and <laughs> again and again. But that's baseball, and that's what you have to do to win deep and late into the season. Well, the beauty about doing it again the next day is people tend to forget the spells where you weren't doing it very well. Jays were to win today and, you know, win the series, mm -hmm. of course. People forget about that Angel series and just remember the fact that they've won eight of their last 12. Perspective is everything in a sport that is so long, of course. What do you expect emotion-wise with Marcus Stroman on the mound, former yeah. Jay, of course? We know he gets amped up for games like this. How do you expect the Jays to respond to seeing him? Yeah, I'm anxious to see how the Blue Jays fans really receive him. He was a huge part of a lot of wins here in Toronto. And being on the other side, it was not fun when he pitched here. He had the energy. He had the crowd going. And I think he'll feed off of that. I, I, I really think that they're going to re receive him very warmly. He did so many good things for not only the, the team, but the, the city. And he was really invested. You heard him yesterday on TV saying how much he was rooting for the Blue Jays late in the season. So. You know, it's going to be fun to see how he comes out, how much energy he has. I hope that he pitches really well in a losing decision. <laughs> is the energy Diplomatic. The, yeah, is the energy the thing that you remember about Marcus Stroman the most in watching him? Because I know that during the, the game that he started, which was the Edwin wildcard game where he walked it off, you were on the O's roster at that point. So you went against Marcus Stroman. Do you, what do you remember most about facing him? Oh, man, uh, backdoor sinker, the pitch yeah. that looks like it's six feet outside and comes back. I mean, he, he had all the pitches. He had the sinker, the slider, still does. Um, I, one of the coolest things I got to do was suit up with him last year in spring training with the New York Mets, and I kind of got to see behind the scenes under the hood, and that was really cool to see what a tenacious warrior he really is. And you saw it out there, but to go behind the scenes and see how he worked out in the, uh, in the weight room, to see how ferocious he was during his bullpen sessions and just attention to detail and how he wanted to balance, how he wanted to execute his pitches. I knew he was a really hard worker. Just you can't have that much talent and, and not be a hard worker. He, he, but being able to go back and see him do that day to day was really, really cool. And he's still got all the weapons and the tech has really helped him out too. He was really into that in New York. And so it's making him even better. Uh, he, he's, he's a special young guy, and I'll tell you what, facing him was no fun. You, you just hope not to get the two strikes because he's got, he got playing that X game, balls whizzing all over the place like <laughs> wiffle balls. So try and get him early, I guess. Get the bat head out in front and try and get him early. Yeah, he is fun to watch. Uh, Blue Jays fans uh, didn't think watching Teoscar Hernandez run from first base to second base was all that much fun, but he is back in the lineup. Uh, what are you expecting to see from Teoscar Hernandez tonight? I'll tell you what, it'd be sure nice if he hit a big three-run homer in the first <laughs> yeah. inning, right? And he could just jog around the bases. Now, I, look, Teoscar was a teammate of mine in 2020, and Teoscar cares about how his, his teammates view him. He cares about playing. He cares about winning. He cares about all the right things. And he's a great guy, great teammate. He has tremendous power. He's got a great throwing arm. He has all of the tools. And so I hope that he comes out and just is who he is in terms of showing off all those tools because when all those come out he's an elite player goodness silver slugger award winner and it doesn't surprise me one bit pound for pound probably the strongest player i've ever played with he could just kiss the ball and it goes out so just show up stay focused play hard and let your talent come out if he does that i think blue jays fans will have a lot to cheer for we spent a lot of time talking about the offense, the defense, the bullpen, and the opposing pitcher. How about tonight's starting pitcher for the Jays, Kevin Gossman? Coming off a pretty rough start, albeit a pretty rare one for him this season, yeah. uh, you expect him to kind of find his game again? 
Oh yeah, absolutely. I think it's a good matchup with the split. He gets so much chase underneath with that. And look, you talk about matchups all the time. Sometimes there's just not really good matchups. You just don't match up well against a certain team for whatever reason. But this is a Cubs team that doesn't have a ton of experience. They don't have a ton of kind of the big boppers. You know, the Chris Bryant's gone, the Rizzo's gone. Those type of guys are gone. The best thing about Kevin Gosman, he attacks. He absolutely attacks. And he doesn't usually get hit in terms of slug. So he's going to attack, be in the zone. And much like Jose Brios last night, it seemed like the Cubs were just trying to death by a thousand cuts, death by a thousand singles to Brios. Well, Gosman's got that split. That split has really nice whiff on it underneath. So I expect him to really get out there, attack the fastball with the fastball, use that slider occasionally, and then finish him off with the split underneath. Hopefully he gets a lot of whiff because they really kind of need him to go deep in that game after they kind of exhausted a lot of their really high leverage bullpen guys last night. It would be great to see Gosman go seven and hand it over the bullpen, let a few of those high leverage guys rest up for the finale. Caleb, appreciate it as always. We saw Joe Settle tweet out a little preview for Blue Jays Central talking about bunting. Mm. I know that's a hot topic as well, so we're looking forward to that. And, of course, uh, your analysis both pre, during, and after the game as well. Thanks, Caleb. Oh, yeah, you got it. Please pay attention. There's something even better than bunting coming. You Ooh, have to watch. That's the team. That's the team. What a throw this guy is. Love it, love it, love it. We're just about 15 minutes away uh, from those on Sportsnet getting Blue Jays Central. Well, you'll see Caleb Joseph and whatever it is he's teasing. A lot of teasing in this show. I like it. It's I like a lot quality, of surprises. It's a quality program. We're going to keep the Jays talk going after the break. We're visiting with Dan and Buck in the booth. Then it's time to get you to Blue Jays Central on Sportsnet. Back after this on... <clears throat> Basil and friends, is that is that what we're calling it? Now? Okay, it took seven years, we're here. They were quick. Welcome back to Faisal and Friends, Jays and Cubs, coming up on Sportsnet Blue Jays Central. In fact, just minutes away, Marcus Stroman, who spent his first five and a half seasons with the Jays, will face his old team for the first time. He's starting for the Cubs. Pretty surreal, you know, it's, it's been a minute. Um, it's been three years. Definitely feels good. I've loved everything about the city of Toronto, about the country of Canada, so to get back here, around the culture, around the people. It's being Yorkville walking around this morning. I mean, when I landed, Customs was telling me that they missed me. Everyone's, everyone seems to be, be telling me their well wishes. So um, it's all love here. I got nothing but love for this entire country and I'm glad to be back. I have nothing but unbelievable things to say about the, the organization here, obviously the city of Toronto. And I have ties here. I have great friendships and relationships that I've developed over the years that are still lasting and um, I'm always going to be in Toronto uh, all in the future and always visit back here whenever I can. So my little baby boys, half Canadian, my girl's Canadian, so um, I'll always be back. I like Stroman, man, but customs? Yeah, man. They missed him. <laughs> they missed him, bro. <laughs> customs. Okay, can I just get to something quickly? Uh, so I had said earlier yeah. that uh, we sent out an engager uh, based on Marcus Stroman's start tonight, his first as a visitor at the Rogers Center and first against the Blue Jays. And we had showed you that earlier in the show, Marcus Stroman did in fact like a tweet. Well, it turns out Marcus Stroman has liked a second tweet. Marcus Stroman is a certified stud and a Blue Jays legend, brought an edge to the pitching staff, got it out injury to come back and dominate in the playoffs, embrace the city, shit him in a J for life. He's welcome in T.O. anytime. Likes Marcus Stroman. There it is. Yeah, he liked another one too. And let's uh, just say, like, what time? Up, yeah. that, that tweet was uh, 5.03 p.m., and he's starting the game at 7.07. 7.07, yeah. Yeah, he's good. 
That's wild, isn't it? Yeah, I guess so. It's pretty wild. I guess man. the you know, Pirates, you know, guy had the phone fall out of his pocket, <laughs> sliding into third base. So I guess that works for Stroman. Doesn't seem to affect him, no, I guess, right? No. So uh, he's, you know, got custom guys on his side too, man. So he's all good. Do you yeah. think it's? Um, it, I feel like it's either shutout through seven, or seven runs through three innings. Like I don't feel I, like yeah, there's I any in between tonight. Like what, what? Which way are you leaning on that? I, I honestly have no idea, man. Because <laughs> I, I just, you know, part of it is you have to know what this Jays team is to have a good sense of how this is going to go. And I, with this team, I, I seriously have no clue. It could be a no-hitter for Marcus Stroman and him throwing up his hat in the end of the day and celebrating with his teammates on the mound because – why else? Like, you know, why not? Why wouldn't that happen this season to this Jays team, you know? Well, through the last week or so, the Jays haven't shown you anything that would uh, look at who started last night and the night before. And the night before, I guess Shohei Otani was not Saturday. But you get the point is that these guys are coming out of basically nowhere and shutting down this lineup to an extent that we were not expecting when the season started. But yet here we find ourselves. And Stroman has a pedigree. Yeah. He's not a nobody. He's not a guy making a no, second career major league He's start. a great pitcher. He's so. a great pitcher on his day, right? So uh, it, could, it could go either way. By the way, people are now snitch-tagging Tim McAuliffe, saying Basil keeps calling Tim and friends Faisal and friends. Yeah, no, Please yeah. grow up. Not, Anyways, yeah. um, John Gibbons is now on Twitter, former Blue Jays manager. He's been relatively entertaining. It's been fun seeing him trying show. to work out yeah. the kinks. Yes, that's why it's called Faisal and friends. We have a lot of friends here, of course. And so... Uh, he posted this tweet with a video, and uh, he seems to be doing okay. Kicking back, getting ready for the Stroh Show. Hold on, you never know what might happen. Does it get any better than that? Blue Jays and a bud? Kidding me? Actually, it does get a little better if you tune in Showman and Buck Martinez. Enjoy. And adios from San Antonio, Texas. <laughs> the beer's closed. Uh, you hadn't seen record. it, right? Yeah, no, I had not seen that. So good. No, he's just, that's exactly what he was like, even when he came on Super the show and Tim and just, just great, man. I know he's coming out with a book eventually, and he's got a podcast in the works. And, you know, of all the people that are around baseball, really around sports, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but John Gibbons seems like one of those guys that you would want to sit down and, and have a Bud Light sure. with and just talk stories because it feels like he has. <sighs> Hundreds of them. I, I'm just glad he found a better camera than the one when you guys had him on the show, man. Look crystal clear <laughs> yeah. in that shot over there. So he's excited to see uh, Marcus Stroman tonight, and we got to get the opinion of Dan Schulman and Buck Martinez. So with their thoughts ahead of tonight's game, let's send it to the boys in the broadcast team. Jesse, last night was a game the Blue Jays really need to have, and obviously Danny Jansen's three-run homer and then his game-winning RBI single and extra innings, those were huge. But let's not forget about the contributions of Matt Chapman, who really contributed, Buck, in every way that a guy can. Well, he sure did. In every aspect of the game, Matt Chapman contributed to that win last night, and it all starts with his glove. He's a three-time gold glover, a two-time platinum glover, and he had a couple of hot shots down at third base and turned them easily. This ball is to his left. He gloves it and then utilizes that strong arm to throw out Fran Mill Reyes. And then he understands the situation. That was a 10-pitch walk that he worked and got on base ahead of the Danny Jansen three-run home run. And then in the next inning, in the eighth inning, he loops one into left field to drive home Kevin Biggio with the tying run. And the thing about him, he understands every aspect, and you give total effort every single time you have a chance and this is him scoring the winning run on Danny Jansen's base hit great speed great effort a terrific trip from second to score and I tell you 
Matt Chapman can do something every single day to help you win a game, whether it's with his glove, with his bat, or with his wheels. Yeah, he is faster than you think, and he did a lot of different things to help the Blue Jays win that game last night. And it, it was an important victory, uh, Dan and Buck. Thank you very much. And you look at what's happened with the Jays this season. They get the victory last night, but it feels like if they lose again tonight, the tenor of the fan base is just everybody's a little bit on pins and needles, walking on eggshells, whatever cliche you want to use, because this team is not performing the way we expected them to perform. But are you at all surprised that there's that tenor around the fan base, that how people many, are disappointed? How many years have you been doing this? A decade Come on, now. man. Like we're, yeah. we're in our 30s, and we've been in this industry. I'm not surprised at the action of sports fans. I'm not even calling out the tone and tenor of sports yeah. fans. They're absolutely allowed to be upset. A team they pay money to support, pay money to watch, pay money to purchase merch from, and they want their team that came into this season with all the expectations in the world to live up to them. And so when you see what the potential is, you know, coming back in a game like yesterday after having absolutely nothing going and suddenly your offense is clicking and your bullpen is dominant and you're making all these world-class plays on the field, mm -hmm. where is that for the other games? Where is that to start the game? Where is that over the course of a three-game losing streak at home against the Angels coming off six of seven against the Red Sox and the Yankees? I completely understand why fans are impulsive why they're angry why they're upset why they're emotional they're absolutely allowed to do that it's our job to give mm -hmm. them the ration right they're still in the playoff spot if they lose today they're still going to be a playoff spot if they lose tomorrow they're probably still going to be in a playoff spot given that they're two games up on the Orioles right now but as we get down to the season we see a team that missed out on a postseason spot by yeah. a single game last season when everything felt like this team should be there and who knows if they get in right you don't want the who knows. You want them to be in, and you want them to be making an extended run. And there hasn't been much evidence to suggest over the course of the season that they are team primed to do that. We see glimpses. We see small doses. Mm -hmm. We see it over six, seven, eight, nine, ten games sometimes, but then it reverts back, you know. And so people are still waiting for this team to show them who they are, and we're 120-something games into the season. And I don't know if you could be asking that question at this point of the season. Well, it's just been a mystery the whole year. You look at their offensive numbers, they're – good they're in the top five in the American League in almost every single category but at the end of the day the record is what the record is and now is the time to make hay because you got the Cubs then you got the Pirates you just but you got some back big games yeah. big games coming up against the Baltimore Orioles who are the team and who would have thought that but, going don't, into this but don't worry about that right now deal with game the Cubs and deal with the Pirates and rack up your wins there if you're going to drop some games to the teams that are fighting as well have some in your back pocket to rely to rely on to give yourself a tiny bit of a safety net right now and so when the Angels come into town and the Jays lose three in a row to a team that hasn't won that many games since April in a row, mm -hmm. you are allowed to be upset as a fan. I'm just here to let you know it's not that bad. And when it's good, it's not that good right now. That's kind of how sports go, and that's kind of how this Jays season has gone as well. I'm hoping I'm wrong. I'm hoping that they can just rattle off a ton in a row and change the narrative, but uh, we're running out of time to see that as well. For a long time in this market, we were asking for meaningful baseball in August and September, and you are getting meaningful baseball here in August October. and September, and they're craving October. All right, now time to send it to Blue Jay Central on Sportsnet. Jamie, Joe, and the man we spoke to earlier in the show, Caleb Joseph, standing by at Rogers Center. As for us, we will continue for our final half hour on Sportsnet 360. Kyle Brandt, always entertaining, drops by to help us tee up a loaded AFC West. We are back in 60 seconds on Sportsnet 360. For those of you going to the Jays game, enjoy it. Marcus Stroman on the hill in his return.
Welcome back to Tim and Friends. Over the last several years, Kansas City dominance has been about as automatic as Jesse dancing at the start oh, yeah, of right. every show. But yeah. this year may look a little different. The team are in the midst of an on-field rebrand after trading away Tyreek Hill in the offseason. Does that mean they'll suddenly be bad? Probably not. But for the first time in a while, they may not be as much of a lock to reach the AFC title game or even win their division. With more, here's Anthony Caminiti. They have arguably the best quarterback in the league. They've won six straight division titles and haven't won less than 10 games in seven seasons. But is this the year that all comes crashing down for the Chiefs? All right, let's start with the obvious. Tyreek Hill is gonzo, and there's no replacing the electricity he brings to an offense, but what they can do is... Recreate him. Recreate him in the aggregate. The Chiefs brought in a slew of weapons to help replace Hill, most notably being Juju Smith-Schuster, who they're hoping returns to his 2018 form. It's Smith-Schuster! Stiff-arm, and he's gonna go 97 yards for the touchdown! I mean, this is unbelievable! They also signed Marquez Valdez-Scantling, selected Sky Moore in the second round of the draft, and suddenly, there are plenty of options for Patrick Mahomes, but is that good enough? By the way, Sky Moore, we got to do something about that number. 24 for a wide receiver? It's no bueno. Now look, I hear you out there thinking I'm crazy, and granted, Mahomes and Andy Reid are probably good enough to keep this offense afloat, but what about the defense? They let Tyron Matthew walk in free agency, but they use their two first-round picks to select corner Trent McDuffie and pass rusher George Karlaftis. They hope to help a defense that allowed the sixth most passing yards per game and ranked 29th in sacks last season. But I ask again, is that enough? All this and I haven't even mentioned the absolute gauntlet that is the AFC West this season. This division is about as scary as drinking Gatorade around Bobby Boucher. <laughs> You can make a case that with additions like Russell Wilson to Denver, Devontae Adams to Vegas, and the continued improvement of Justin Herbert, every team in this division got better, while the Chiefs got worse. So before you lock in that Chiefs over 10.5 wins bet, maybe sleep on it. Well, another fine job by Anthony Caminiti, who will be joining me on this very show on Thursday. Let's go. In that chair over there. The AFC West is going to be wild, and we got to get through it with one of the most entertaining people in the industry, always bringing the heat, so no pressure on him today. Make some noise for NFL Networks. Kyle <laughs> Who are you looking for? You know it's, it's you. Let's go. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay, so we just watched the feature on the Kansas City Chiefs. Big changes. The biggest yep. being Tyreek Hill is no longer there. Are the Chiefs in trouble in what's going to be a loaded AFC West? Yeah. Yeah, they are. First of all, I can't believe Sky Moore wears number 24. That's unconscionable. We yeah. need to adjust that right away. That's a problem. But it's kind of like we said in the piece. Everyone, the other three teams said enough of this. Enough. Uncle. No mas. You know what we're going to do? We're going to do the, the good old-fashioned thing to solve a problem. We're just going to go shopping and just buy anything we can fit in our cart and buy go sh like You ever go shopping <laughs> with a gift card? You just buy whatever. You don't even need it, and you put it in there. Pass rushers, wide receivers, quarterbacks, everyone. And they said enough enough with the mahomes enough with the afc title game being the arrowhead invitational they bring russ to denver they bring everyone under the sun to los angeles for the chargers and then the raiders bring chandler jones and Devontae. it's so big that like chandler jones has a massive addition for the las vegas raiders and it's not mentioned because of how massive yeah. Devontae is so yeah i do think they're in trouble but i have to hedge it guys in our business in this era of cold takes and credibility 
one of the most dangerous things to say in the month of August is, I'm feeling the Chargers this year. I think it's the year. I think it's finally the year. It's dangerous. You can go out there, but you're out there on a ledge. I kind of like it out there on the ledge. I think it's finally the year, and I'm going to put it out there. I think the Chargers have it. It's because people get bored of seeing the same thing year in and year out, right? And I understand we're in this industry. We understand how to, you know, make a narrative and make something click and have people listen. But I feel like we're doing a disservice to Patrick Mahomes by assuming that they're going to get rolled over given the additions in the division. Is that fair to say? Uh, I think it is, and I'm guilty of doing that myself. Here's a fact. Justin Herbert, Derek Carr, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, those four quarterbacks, one of them is going to finish dead last in the division. (laughs) One of them is not making the playoffs, maybe two or maybe three. And I think it's even broader than the West. We're all just rejoicing in these quarterbacks and Josh Allens and Lamars and everybody in the AFC. This year is going to go – Joe Burrow, too. This year is going to go really far in determining – is Michael is Michael Jordan here and Patrick Mahomes and are the other guys Barkley and Ewing and Malone and all those guys that everybody in the other fan bases outside Chicago were like, come on, take Jordan out this year. We'll find out. We're going to find out a lot because it can't only one can win, guys. And there's about nine amazing AFC quarterbacks and four of them are in one division. The Broncos are one of those with, uh, I guess, depending on who you listen to, still an amazing quarterback. So they're on their third head coach since 2017. And they go out and they get Russell Wilson, which in a deal that was kind of out of nowhere, is Russ going to prove the Seahawks wrong in the sense that they didn't use him properly and he could have done more for that team? Are we going to see the Broncos let Russ cook? Because that's what the people are asking for, Kyle. (laughs) They say that the Yelp reviews of the restaurants in Denver are fantastic. And apparently they have great cooking there. No shade at Seattle. But the best part is, guys, we don't even have to wait. Week one in the schedule makers showing zero chill, deciding let's just bring Russ right back to Seattle, so which was the best game of week one until we got Baker Mayfield on the Panthers right. against the Browns. But listen, I, I love Russ, and I respect Russ, and he's, he's a, a majestic, beautiful thrower of the deep ball. Let me just be honest with you. Is he the fourth best quarterback in this division? If you had to go and win a game in week one, you're not taking him first, not in 2022. I'm not taking him out of Herbert. We're sitting here in 2022, and it's like, do I want Derek Carr or do I want Russ? And if Derek Carr's throwing a Devontae and Renfro and Waller, like I'm taking Derek Carr. Mm -hmm. So Russ has been great. Fantastic. Like I I love the guy. How, How do you not? I think he's the fourth best quarterback in the division. That's the kind of bonkers AFC we have right now. I want to dig deeper on that. What is it about him that that you look into that division and you say he would be the fourth best quarterback? Is it the fact that he's now 33 years of age and the things that made him great or some of the things that made him great with the Seahawks was his scramble ability and his speed. And and he has obviously slowed down through the years, but is it that the skills are maybe diminishing as he's getting up there in age? I don't even think it's that. I think these other other quarterbacks are just nuclear right it's like the prototype at the auto show you know we were talking on our show on good morning football the other day and my colleague schrager who's this across the desk from me he was just kind of vamping on russell wilson and he's like you know and and they got a top five quarterback and i go hold on on. is russell wilson a top five quarterback in league? i know he was and i know that that's what how they use the language that we use to talk about him and he's very talented he's great i don't think he's falling off at all he's great Mm -hmm. But Herbert, these guys are like Avengers now at this point. They have bigger arms. They're younger. They're stronger. They're bigger. Like the things that Russ was doing 10 years ago, even eight years ago, we were like, wow, this guy's incredible. And now it's just a 1 p.m. window and it's, you know, Jets, Jaguars. We see it constantly. The quarterback position. And I just don't think that Russ is one of the top five guys. I don't know if he's a top eight to ten. 
We're avoiding the most important question as it pertains to the Broncos. Who was the most Go. important addition, Russell Wilson, that quarterback, or Lewis Hamilton to the ownership group? <laughs> oh, my gosh. that's a Listen, and they hired a new president, too, Damani Leach, who's a former teammate of mine, like an old, an old Ivy Leaguer. I, I think you answered your own question. With due respect to Russ, what they have in the ownership group. Come on now. That's second to none. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, what happened yesterday with Jimmy Garoppolo? Because um, oh my God. I, did, I don't know about FaZe, but I certainly did not expect no, him did, of course to not. resign. And I certainly did not expect him to resign with a no trade clause. So what exactly <laughs> are the 49ers doing here? You know what it feels like? It, it's Listen, I speak as a child of divorced parents. It feels like they're staying together for the kids, which is never really a recipe for long-term happiness. And the kids know there's something up and they just, there's sort of just a sickness in the household. And that's very heavy, but that was my childhood. And I feel like we're seeing that play out for the Niners. Where, where are we going with this thing? Because the only way it just is like, wow, they, they, they did something brilliant is if Trey Lance comes out here and he's just amazing. He is Russell Wilson eight years ago. And it, I don't see it happening. If they lose week one to the Bears, who, by the way, were in the same draft as Trey Lance with Justin Fields, how quick are you looking at Jimmy? And I know that's kind of a hackneyed, like, old little way of saying it. He's looking over his shoulder. I'm very nervous when the second-best quarterback on a team is yeah. starting because, believe me, there are many, many Jimmy guys in that locker room. I remember seeing an Eagles team about five years ago that had a shrine to Nick Foles as Carson Wentz was still the man. The ship sinks fast. So don't come out one and three, uh, Trey Lance, because that guy will go in there and he's good and he'll win. It's going to be beautiful to watch. Like the Niners are a must watch team because Kyle Shanahan put everything on this guy from you know North Dakota. It's nuts. Uh, I don't love to follow top 100 lists because it's exactly what we talked about. They're mad. How dare you? you? No, 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 no. Because when, <laughs> when Josh Allen is 13, I got a problem, man. Go. I got a problem and so do you. Oh. I know that. Fastball Listen. down the middle. It's. I'm just gonna settle in, and I'm gonna jack this thing five. I, I I know the players vote on this, and the players say, "Well, we played the game. You didn't play the game. Okay, fine. But I watched the game. Did you watch a single Bills game last year? Have you watched a single Bills game in the last five years? I actually thought that they were going with Josh Allen, that pass rusher from the Jaguars, and they were confused <laughs> with the other Josh Allen. I think that you could not find two games back to back by one player. The Pats win last year in the playoffs, and then the Chiefs game in the playoffs. In history, that were more dominant. Bring out Joe Montana and Lawrence Taylor at any position, and they're like, "Yeah, you know that Colts running back Jonathan Taylor. I think is better than that." What are you guys watching? And the second question is always, "Is there something against Josh Allen? Did you put him at 13 because it was 13 seconds left in that game that they blew against the Chiefs? Because if so, like Painful. we have to step outside and fight. I mean, that's a reason to go." Yeah, very strange decision making. But it is the players that vote on that poll, right? And number one on that poll, uh, Tom Brady, who yeah. met with the media. And I just look stressed. Just yeah. look stressed. Like, should we be worried about Tom Brady in the upcoming season here? Yeah, I think a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to, he's going to fall off the table or he's too old. I just have to say, when he steps up and they say, where you been? Where you been? Where you been? And he takes this deep breath and he might as well in that deep breath have cracked a beer, like a PBR, and just said, look, I'm 45. I got a lot of bleep going on. In that moment, I have never identified more with Tom Brady. Same, I've never felt same. relatable. Listen, I get invited to go to, you know, drinks with friends or dinner on a Friday night. 90% of my texts back to those to those inquiries are, look, I got a lot of bleep going on, man. Like, that is the go-to response for the guy of Tom Brady's age, of which I am. 
So my question is, is he going to have a lot of bleep going on throughout the year? Is he going to need like a, a load management like LeBron did? Like, I, look, we're playing who we're playing this week, the Jaguars. Can I get the week off? I, I don't know. I know he's entitled to it. But if anybody says just in Brady, we trust, there's no problem that his lineman got hurt and he has a new coach and he's 45 and missing weeks of training camp. You got a lot of bleep going on because I don't think you're paying attention. Quickly, is Brian Cranston the best TV actor we've had in this generation? You know, it's an excellent question. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say no, okay. because um, I think that he was second in many scenes to um, to Jesse Pinkman, wow. to Aaron Paul. So um, I, I will say this. I think it's still the late, great James Gandolfini. That's for the what I said. This is fantastic. Because you can light him up with and Christopher and whoever you want, and your eyes do not leave Tony. So I still think we lost the guy, but and I love Cranston. But I think it's I think it's 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 still my our guy. Kyle, you're the best. We appreciate you, We're man. Thank page. you for this. You made Jesse really happy yeah, right I'm now. Right now. We gotta talk in the commercial break. That was the best topic ever. We gotta love keep it. going. Got you, man. <laughs> stick around. Like curveball, and I hit it. I love it. Love stick, you guys. Stick Thanks. around. All right, we'll, we'll take one last break here, and we're gonna get to last call next here on Tim and Friends. Kyle and I have some talking to do. <laughs> oh, he's the best. about a little midweek Premier League. Full slate of games Tuesday, Wednesday at Manchester United, Leicester on Thursday, Southampton, Chelsea. Check out this young Saints fan going for a handshake with Chelsea captain Cesar Azpilicueta. Deeks him out. Whoops. 23rd minute ball center for Raheem Sterling. England international puts it in. He's got goals in two straight games for the Blues. Makes it 1-0. Chelsea, 28th minute off a corner. Ball deflects to Romeo Lavia. Scores his first Premier League goal. He was born in 2004. First Premier League player born in that year to score a goal. Oh Oh my goodness. Yep. What? Yep. How about Adam Armstrong? Southampton. Stun Chelsea. They win 2-1. How are you not reacting more to this? No, because if you react to somebody in 2004 scoring, you are just going to feel crappy about yourself. 2000, like 2000, 2001, 2004. I got used to that a little bit, but 2004 is, Um, my goodness. The start of this Premier League season has been insane, by the way. Scott Parker fired, sacked, I should say, as they say there, just after four games. An unbelievably unfair schedule. Got them up, rocked the cardigan. Goodbye, looking for a job. This season's been unbelievable. By the way, Manchester United can go all the way up to fifth with a win against Leicester on Thursday. So all that panic, United fans, including myself, um, just calm down. Yeah, I'm just, just calm down. scrolling through this, the standings of the, the table here and yeah. Man U. Well, they're not, not at the bottom been, anymore. Hasn't been a good start. Above Liverpool. Uh, okay, uh, last call here as uh, we begin with a sensitive story. Uh, Washington Commanders rookie running back Brian Robinson returned to the team facility today, two days after being shot in an attempted robbery. Robinson was shot twice in the glute and the knee. He underwent successful surgery yesterday and the team posted this video of Robinson arriving at the facility earlier today. You got my text? Boy, I'm a You're a sight, a sight from so high, boy. Got no Oreo cookies. What's up, baby? What's going on, man? I appreciate that. Well, so you got my text. Oh, man, I came right up. Good to see you. Good to see you. Good to see you. I'll let you, I'll let you boys, I'll let you boys know. Uh, they're trying to figure out it was 15. 
So this is just a crazy story because uh, it was almost done and dusted that he was going to be the starter for the commanders. And they said because of the way the bullets went through his leg didn't tear any major ligaments or tendons that there is actually a chance that he will play in this upcoming season, which is just Unbelievable. crazy. Unbelievable. Uh, an amazing story. Yeah. A, a heartbreaking story, but he's turning it into something positive. Yeah, you always think the worst when you see someone get shot like that. Yeah. And uh, good to see him on his feet and uh, bringing the Oreos as well. So. Yeah. Uh, pretty good. All right, after a great weekend for the PGA Tour, bad news today, six more golfers officially joining Liv. The most prominent among them is Cam Smith, the number two ranked player in the world who had been rumored to be leaving for several weeks. Jesse, I'll ask you, you've got the better perspective on golf, of course. How bad is this for the PGA? It's bad. Uh, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's not good uh, because you never want to see the number two ranked player going, but we had been expecting this for quite some time now. And it seems like there is a little bit of momentum being built when it comes to live. You look at this board right here, you're looking at a couple of really impressive young stars in Cameron Smith and Joaquin Neiman. So it's definitely not good, but there is a positive to take out of this story. A long-awaited um, or rumored move from Liv was for Hideki Matsuyama. And apparently they offered him a boatload of cash. We're talking 300 to 400 million dollars as you see it there Wait. which would have been the second most amount of money they have offered to anyone with the exception of tiger woods most guys are getting in the range of 100 phil got 250 but hideki staying is so big for the pga tour because it's from japan and it opens up a, another market he's a global star and had they been able to take him from pga tour over to Live, it would have opened up a whole world of opportunity for Live Golf. So that is a very, are very people key for the Liv? PGA Tour. Are people watching? Not yet. Yeah. So uh, this is this is the long game. Much, but. I I I did, I did look into this um, in terms of, of how much runway are the Saudis willing to give management there in terms of uh, how long they're willing to go without turning a profit, and it does appear that we're looking at something that's at least five years, more likely ten years. They are willing to just eat it and not turn a profit. Yeah. So we're going to have to keep an eye on this, but it appears it's not going anywhere. And you just hope from my PGA Tour perspective, they can stop splitting golf because nobody wants to see no, it's stars not, it's one not weekend done, here. I'm sorry, man. I'm stars sorry. another weekend here. No, you don't want to dilute the product, right? You want everyone to play together. So it's not gonna hopefully happen. they sort it out. Not going to happen. Uh, we know Serge Ibaka is a man of many talents, NBA champion, maker of beef penis pizza, expert wearer of scarves. But did you know he's also a singer, Ibaka? I did. I did. Released an album last year fittingly titled Art. And the latest single, Champion, has now been streamed more than 35 million times on Spotify. Check it out. Ibaka, a.k.a. Mafuziman, a new person pure from the motherland. He's a very class. Keba, keba, keba. Keba, keba, keba. Nino. Keba, keba, keba. Vamos! À l'ombre des lumières et du show business, j'ai fait que prier dans le noir. Vivre et mourir comme un champion, les autres n'y croyaient même pas. Comme un aigle, j'ai volé au-dessus des nuages pour nourrir la famille. Des millions de dollars. Une vie de star comme Ibaka. 
So that song broke Damian Lillard's streaming record for yeah. songs by an NBA player. I Afro ask beats you, up, baby. Afro beats up. Let's go. Cut or uncut. I'm assuming nah, based on your reaction, that's, that's sick, uncut. Man, I don't know which is the good one, cut or uncut, but that's uncut. I, I've already streamed it. I've already played it. It's been on repeat. It's added to the Afro beats playlist. Man, that is a banger. It is a banger, and I love to see him do it. I love it. The vibe is the best, man. Hey, perfect summertime vibes, man. I'm uncut on it too. Yeah, this is the, this. Oh, we got Faze dancing in studio. That makes two of us today. Moving. Replace the moving. intro with this. Yeah, yeah, let's go, man. No, that's that's very very dope. Well done, Serge Ibaka. Breaking the streaming record. Rather impressive. Yeah, it's not done either. That's gonna go up. All right. Twenty years after, seventeen-year-old LeBron James appeared on the cover of Sports Illustrated with the title yeah. "The Chosen One." LeBron is on the latest cover of SI along with his two sons. Bronnie and Bryce with the title, The Chosen Sons. Beautiful. In the interview, LeBron reiterated his desire to play with Bronnie in the NBA and said he hasn't ruled out the possibility of playing with Bryce as well. Man, I would love to see it. This is going to be one of the great sports stories of all time, if it happens. Uh, yeah, maybe that's a little much. It is. Much, no, it, it is. is. It is. I mean, how cool. many? How many? We saw, you know, the Griffies play together for a little bit, right? I'm just racking my brain on the on the spot here, trying to figure out what other father-son combinations we've seen. There have been a few, but to see, arguably, arguably the greatest basketball player of all time, yeah. playing with not one, which would be cool. I think that's but why it's two. I think that's why it's cooler because it's LeBron freaking yes, James, yes. the greatest. And he yes. said in that interview. He's looking at what teams have what picks in 2024, 2025, 2026, 2027 in the event that his sons become eligible, maybe early or not, but they're ready to go. I mean, and so he's going to stick around. It's just a matter of, is he willing to play in like Utah or like Minnesota to go yeah, have this happen or what? It's so funny because he's been pulling the strings with the Lakers and previous teams. No, he's running the team. For years now. And it seems like, <laughs> to your point, that he has been mapping this out, how he's going to make it happen. It's all up to his body. And you know that he takes care of his body. So It'll be all right. I think it's going to happen. Uh, the Blue Jays' Alec Manoa met Connor McDavid earlier today at the Biosteel camp being held in Toronto. That is where we interviewed Kale McCarr from yesterday. It was given a Manoa jersey, but didn't actually hit the ice with the players, which member of the Blue Jays do you think would make the best hockey player face? Is it a cop-out to say Jordan Romano, given the Canadian heritage that's there and maybe the upbringing that he that is has? Although Caleb Joseph, answer. you know, is a Preds fan. It's in his Twitter bio. He went out of his way to make sure... Preds fan, and he's not a Jays player, fine, but you know, he's in and around the team, and so I imagine there are other people with some roots there. Boba Shett with the hair, you can see him locking yeah, down that a, ice that's there. That's a really good answer, too. Great. I'm thinking, like, Matt Chapman. Sure. Like, like solid defenseman. <laughs> Stay-at-home defenseman, gets the job done. He'd be pretty good. That is an excellent question. Uh, Cheesy Poofs tweets, please stop having fail Zul on the show. Really creative. The speed talking and interrupting Jesse and the guests is beyond frustrating. Please don't have him host anymore. Good news, Cheesy Poofs. I'm out. <laughs> don't worry. That a reminder, please the let know. Cups. Get out of here. They're over on Sportsnet. Here on Sportsnet 360, it's WWE NXT at 8 p.m. Eastern. Later on, Yankees and Angels. Thanks for watching. Basil and Friends. <laughs>